0: Hi everyone, welcome to this edition of Royal Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined by my co-host Nick Polak. Nick, what's going on?
1: Hi, I'm good.
0: That's good. Uh we're uh actually going to have a special guest later on in this episode of the podcast. Uh Matt Well, Nick, do you want to talk about him? His name is Matt. I just gave that sure. away.
1: Yeah, and we'll talk we'll let him introduce himself in a little bit, but uh, we'll be joined by Matt Harmon from NFL.com, also the creator of Reception Perception, who has some really positive and interesting and engaging things to say about Chris Godwin, so that'll be fun.
0: Yeah, and uh, just to uh, add a little bit onto that, he wrote a lengthy, lengthy post about, and we're going to link to it down at the bottom, about what makes Godwin such an interesting uh, draft prospect. He was also one of the people who was really high on Allen Robinson when A-Rob was coming out of Penn State. So if you want to, you, you could trust this dude. He knows what he's talking about. He knows talent when he sees it and when he says some of the things that uh, he's going to end up saying about Chris Godwin, I think you're all going to be pretty, uh, pretty pleasantly surprised. But uh, this episode, we're actually going to do a bit of a theme. We're talking NFL draft, talking NFL draft combine. Uh, a pair of Penn Staters competed uh, in, in, well, I don't want to say competed, tested in Indianapolis, Chris Godwin and Garrett Sickles. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about them a little bit. Then we're going to talk about the list of players who are participating in Penn State's pro day a little bit later this month. And we're going to play a little bit of a, a little game with that. Hopefully it turns into something fun. Uh, but the combine, I think Nick, we have to start with Chris Godwin. Um, I don't know about you, but I was sitting on Twitter on a Saturday morning, just killing some time. And I didn't have the combine on, but I was just scrolling through, and then I saw one person tweet something like, C. Godwin, PSU, 4.42. And I went, wait a second. And then everyone just starts going crazy because Chris Godwin ran a 4.42 second 40. And I think the question that we've all had about Godwin Uh, And this is even coming from guys like you and me, who we've seen him play. We love him. We think he's going to be good in the NFL. Was his straight line speed and any questions that existed about that, they just went completely out the window.
1: Yeah, and frankly, I didn't give a crap about his straight line speed because he plays fast on the football field when he needs to, but the fact that he now has that just to add to his... uh, kind of resume here for the draft is pretty awesome
0: yeah i mean i'm i'm looking through the uh looking through the workouts uh for guys at every position uh on the nfl's website and they have their little top performers thing i'm just going to go through right now in the 40 yard dash chris godwin came in fifth with a 4.42 second 40 in the bench he tied for second with 19 reps on the bench press uh I don't believe he shows up anywhere in vertical, oh wait, yes, vertical, he was in the tie for 12th of the 36-inch vertical, broad jump, uh, this might have been the one where he's, uh, yeah, he didn't show up on the broad, oh, yes, he did, 10 feet, 6 inches, again, tied for 12th, Uh, three-cone drill, is he on here, he is not, 20-yard shuttle, He tied for first with uh, Nick's favorite football player of all time, Ryan Switzer, with a four-second 20-yard shot. I know, I know. What
1: could have been?
0: Fun little thing about Ryan Switzer, uh, Mike Mayock said this guy has New England Patriots written all over him, to which Rich Eisen tried to egg him on to say he's short, white, and runs routes, and Mayock, to his credit, would not uh, say that. And then lastly, there was the 60-yard shuttle. Uh, Godwin came in sixth at the time of 11.21. Nick, neither of us expected him to test out this well. So what did you think about Godwin heading into the combine? And after it, he just lit it up, like, wh- wh- how does that change your perception of him uh, heading into the draft? We won't say going forward during his NFL career, but just as a prospect.
1: Um, for me, it doesn't change my outlook on him as a prospect at all. Uh, like I said, I wasn't necessarily I, – I even wrote plain and simple in a piece a few days before the Combine. I'm i i believe I'm trying to find it. I believe I said the sentence – here we go. The, they won't set new records in the 40-yard dash time. They have great game speed, but they're not – they're not, like that. They're not just record-setting 40-yard runners. They're great route runners, good catch radii, good body control, um, but neither. Here it is. When it comes to the Combine, just like Robinson, Godwin likely won't stand out. His 40 time, his vertical, his shuttle time, cone drill time, reps on the bench press, all of it will be good to great, but he likely won't be the best in attendance in any of the measured areas, which, to my credit, he wasn't, except for the shuttle. But... I mean, he clearly surpassed all expectations, I think, aside from maybe those of us that were talking to, I believe it was Andy McKay that had the quote that he was going to surprise a few people with his 40 time. But I think this, I mean, it's only positive for him moving forward. It doesn't change my personal perception on him because I think he was already an outstanding prospect. I think he still is. But with the way the NFL works, I think it definitely changed a few minds of some NFL executives and If that leads to him being pushed to the first round, while I don't agree with the methodology of why he'd be pushed to the first round just using those testing times, I think he probably was belonging in that conversation already. I'm very happy that that is now possibly the case for him.
0: Yeah, I I think that you and I both probably thought he was the kind of guy who could maybe go into the second round. Uh, was looking more like round three and if teams in round three decided they didn't want to go into receiver he could have slipped into round four is that kind of about where you were at because I think that's where I was
1: yeah I felt like I was I was pretty comfortable in that he would be picked round three or earlier just be I mean it helps that it's such a shallow receiver class so I, I didn't think anything lower than three was really a possibility uh, but i didn't force I didn't think he was going to creep into round 1 just because he's not exactly the kind of receiver that NFL teams typically fall in love with or it's at least not the kind of receiver that NFL teams typically draft that highly
0: yeah and i think one thing that NFL teams like to look for in uh in those receivers are they like guys who they have something that they can bring to the table and it's like definable. Like Mike Williams, huge guy, freak, freakish on the field when it comes to ability to go get a football and just go over the top of people and reel them in. Uh, Corey Davis, really, really talented receiver, pretty, pretty good at everything. I mean, when it comes to catching the ball, it's hard to find a better pair of hands than him. And then you get to a guy like John Ross, who, I mean, dude ran a 4-2-2-40, which, come on, that's ridiculous. Godwin, he never seemed like he had that, other than he was just like really, really good at catching the football. And that I, I think that's part of the reason why for so long we've been making the comparison uh, of Chris Godwin uh, to Anquan Bolden because he just doesn't really didn't seem like he had that one definable skill other than hey he's good at catching footballs whoop de do I, I think this... I love I
1: love how I love how for the NFL that's not yeah. good enough yeah. a lot of times yeah no that's
0: you're absolutely right and now I think we have we have enough on the record to show that in addition to being just good at football and good at you know, going out there and making plays and doing whatever you really need out of a receiver, Godwin is also really good. He, he's physical. He's strong. He can jump. He can run. He can do all the things that you want out of a receiver. When they did that little gauntlet drill that they do, Mike Mayock, again, he was fawning over how good... Godwin was at catching the football using his hands not bringing it into his body running on a straight line and not deviating from what he had to do he's just really really good and now he has the physical numbers to back that up and i think that uh and, and this is something we'll talk about a little bit later with Matt i wouldn't be surprised if there if one team towards the end of round 1 really 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 wants a wide receiver. Godwin is a kind of guy they can go down and get, especially if uh they want someone like a Corey Davis, but Davis has taken off the board since Davis and John Ross are two pretty uh pretty different receivers. But I, I, I do think he's probably really solidly in the second round in some capacity, which I mean the last time Penn State had a receiver going around two, I mean, I don't think anyone can uh anyone can argue that one worked out pretty well. Um I'd yeah. say so. Yeah. On the other side there was Garrett Sickles. Um not I, I, th- this was interesting. I don't th- Oh wait, one last thing on a uh, on uh Godwin based on his spark score uh which was calculated by the website 3signathwe.com. Uh he was the fourth best receiver at the combine overall ahead of uh, uh, Corey Davis, I know he didn't do everything. Uh, a bunch of guys didn't do everything, but of the people who did everything, Robert Davis from Georgia State, who he's not going ahead of Godwin. Zay Jones of East Carolina, who is very good, but he's probably not a Godwin caliber guy. And then Jehu Chesson from Michigan, who um, he, he catch, catching footballs can sometimes be an issue. So Godwin, again, backed it up with... Basically everything that he did. On the other side of the coin, there was Garrett Sickles. Um, Nick, how about you talk about this one?
1: Uh, okay. It's it's pretty disappointing to talk about, but uh, Garrett Sickles did not have a good day at the NFL Combine. Uh, he was in the single digit, in a bad way, percentiles in his broad jump, his vertical jump, uh, his... As well as his arm length, so really not not great in any of those things. Uh, his high, his the place he graded out highest was he finished in the 50th percent percent uh, the percentile in the three cone drill, which is something to hang his hat on, I suppose. But on the flip side, Garrett Sickles never really gave off the perception that he was going to be somebody that blew the combine apart his kind of calling card is that he's a relatively quick guy off the edge Uh, but I mean uh, this this certainly didn't help his draft stock
0: yeah I, I hate 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 doing this because we just praised Godwin so much for his athleticism And what he was able to show at the Combine, Sickles is the kind of guy who's just like a good football player, which is one of those like comments that you make when someone isn't really a good athlete, but they they perform well when they're on the football field. But yeah, I mean, by spark score, um, only one other defensive end had a worse Combine than... uh, sickles they rate this stuff on the nfl percentile and for reference godwin as a receiver 89.5 percent 89.5 whatever it is percentile for wide receivers um for defensive for edge rushers sickles uh 3.1 percentile so ugh.
1: yeah and it again like like you said his similar to Godwin, his true value his true value is determined by the tape, not by these numbers. But the thing that's kind of hurting Sickles is that he's not not really big enough to stick a defensive end in the NFL. He's probably not quite strong enough, not quick enough. So his best bet is probably transitioning to either just a pure pass rushing outside linebacker or I mean, or hoping that he can either bulk up or get quicker to fit as a pass rushing tackle, or, and I don't know. It's, it's, it's not looking great.
0: Yeah. um, And that's,
1: and that's too bad.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it it sucks. He's the kind of guy that, like, I'm convinced he's going to make a roster somewhere. I'm convinced that he can maybe do something, but I, I, I think what, ever hope he had I I think if he had a solid combine he would have been drafted in a later round that didn't really happen my my gut on him is he's going to be one of those guys who gets invited to a camp and is given the opportunity to perform during training camp and then maybe is able to come close to sticking around but I, I just don't have a really good feeling about sickles out of this weekend and who knows maybe uh at penn state's uh a pro day he's able to impress some people but for now i don't know about you i'm not feeling especially great
1: yeah i i'm not sure he's going to be drafted but i would be surprised if he wasn't pretty highly sought after as an undrafted free agent i know the kind of being a seahawks fan i follow undrafted free agency pretty closely now um a lot, of, a lot of the current Seahawks came to Seattle via that route. So it's pretty interesting hearing about it because I mean, it's basically recruiting. Like it's it coaches are immediately shift into college mode and they're recruiting these guys because it's it's I mean, it's open market. They, they can go anywhere they want. They can sign with whoever they want. So it's it's interesting to hear about who like who is receiving calls from lots of different teams and. Like there's some guys that get calls from 75% of the league wanting them to join them as an undrafted free agent, and that's kind of the strategy behind drafting. Once you get in those sixth and seventh rounds, as a general manager, I think you're you're obviously you're focused on the guys that you want to choose, but you're also focused on choosing guys with the mindset of okay, if I take this guy here, well, this guy, like if I don't take this guy, is he going to be available as an undrafted free agent? If so, then I'm going to pick someone else because I feel like I have a good chance to get him later. But aside the point, I think he's going to be someone that is actually receives a good number of calls from teams looking to pick him up as a free agent if he doesn't end up going getting drafted. So at least there's a, a silver lining there for him.
0: Yeah. Uh, we mentioned Penn State's Pro Day a second ago, and that leads to the list of participants who uh, March 16th is Penn State's Pro Day, Brandon Bell, Brian Guy, Chris Godwin, Malik Golden, Wendy Laurent, Irvin Payne, Evan Schwan, Garrett Sickles, Jordan Smith, Naeem Mortman, white Tyler Yazujian. I'm looking at that list, and Nick, I want to play a game. We talked about it a little bit before. Where do you think this player is going to end up in three years, if they're still in the NFL or whatever? Because I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if one or two of these dudes get into coaching. We'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, let, let's actually go in reverse order because I feel like the last three guys we talk about would be the most interesting. Tyler Izygian, uh like he academic, all everything, really good long snapper for Penn State. Uh, what, what, what do you think of his chances of making it to the NFL?
1: I think he has a half decent shot of at least getting multiple tryouts in a few places just because long snapper is such a specialized thing. Like every NFL team has one dude who does their long snaps and nothing else. Uh, So I think he has a pretty good shot of at least getting a few tryouts. Obviously there's a long snapper at basically every college, so it's not like he's alone in that competition. So um, he also kind of, I mean, like he's very academic. He strikes me as a guy who kind of will understand, hey, if I don't, get a if I don't get a job right out of college I'm probably better off doing something else I'm smart enough I'm young enough I can do pretty much anything I want with my life so it if he's not hanging around on an NFL roster somewhere I think he he could be a guy who um I don't know his major so I don't know what his career aspirations are but I I mean I could see him being a coach if he decides to go that route
0: uh, he's an IST graduate, interested in studying security and risk analysis. So, if he doesn't make it in the NFL, that dude's going to go get paid somewhere in a really good job. So, yeah, um, I, I, I agree. I th- there's certainly something to. Uh, it, I mean, long snapper is such a unique position, especially like you said, because every team seems to have one. And if he's good enough, uh, and there are thirty-two jobs that he could potentially get. If not he's going to go, like, work for the government or something. He'll be really good at it. Uh, moving on to the next guy. This, pretty interesting dude. Naeem Wortman white Older guy. Injury history. But when he plays, he has been pretty good. And I, 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 he didn't get the combine invite. I don't think that really surprised anyone. Pro Day, not sure what he's going to be able to do while he's coming off of his knee injury that he suffered this year against Temple or whether that's really going to be representative of what he's able to do as a player. But I've talked to him a few times as a press person. He's going to be really, really impressive in one-on-ones. He knows football. He's an intense football player. He loves the game. I think he's going to be one of those guys who gets opportunities and he's able to float around for the longest time. Maybe as a special teamer who gets some run on defense and, um, I think that his age and his injury history, I'd be pretty surprised if he got drafted based on those. But this is a dude who's not going to go down without any kind of a fight. I would not be surprised if in three years uh, when the Bill Barnwells of the world are writing their most underrated NFL players' columns if Naeem Mortman-White's the kind of guy who we see on those.
1: Yeah, I don't feel terribly confident making a prediction for him because I kind of want to see his injury um how he bounces back from that first so i i think he'll be on a practice squad but i don't i don't feel comfortable predicting anything further than that right now i I need to see him play
0: yeah i I mean that's about that's about as fair as it gets um from there we have jordan smith who i I, i've I, i can't remember what he's done it's on twitter uh but he's kind of had a uh yeah, he's starting kind of like his own like business type thing. Uh, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure what it is. I'll do a little bit of a I'll do a, bit, a little bit of reading into what it is, but, hey, listen, if he wants to start exploring that cool, I, I will be 100 percent. I in no way shape or form thought he was going to do anything this year. So the fact that he turned to a pretty solid nickel cornerback is like awesome. But yeah, I I mean, he's a guy who I I don't know if I can really predict any NFL future for him, but I like him a lot. He seems like a good dude and he seems like he has, uh, he he plans on doing something in the future, even if it's not football, which is really admirable.
1: Yeah. And he got his, he got his moment in the sun with his maybe pass interference, but who cares? Wasn't called big uh, deflection of the Ohio state game to kind of help seal the victory for Penn state. So good on you, Jordan.
0: Yeah, I mean, how many college football players got the chance to flex on LeBron James this year? One, exactly, and it was Jordan Smith. That it, I, I'll look up the tweet later because it made me really happy. But it was something to the extent of LeBron was complaining it was a pass interference, and then Jordan Smith said something to the extent of, but Mister King, they didn't call it. So, or Mister King James, whatever they called him. Um, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's a scarce opportunity.
0: Yeah, talked about sickles uh Evan Schwan, I think he's probably in the same boat as sickles more or less Except yeah he's a he's
1: inter- yeah, and he's interesting because of his size. I could see him catching on on a practice squad, maybe getting a chance to make an impression in camp and maybe maybe sneak up somewhere. I mean the rate at which he improved from even just junior to senior year I think is pretty noteworthy, so I could see him sneaking on somewhere,
0: yeah, uh, from there. Irvin Payne. I, I mean, I don't really. Uh, I, I, I we don't really know what he he really is as a football player. I mean, dude, who walked on and he makes the NFL. More power to him. Uh, Wendy Laurent, with how he's kind of been frozen out. I Nick, I really don't expect either of them to go to the NFL. But I think I could be wrong.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Good guys, but I don't yeah. think so.
0: Uh, Malik Golden, next one up. He's uh, he's interesting with how he performed his senior year. I think he... What, what do you think about Malik Golden?
1: I could see... I think somebody mentioned in this in our Slack. I don't remember who. I could see him kind of going that Trevor Williams route. Doesn't... I mean, get gets picked up as an undrafted free agent. Doesn't seem like he's going to be a guy that has any realistic chance of making a roster. But... Maybe sneaks on due to special teams. Again, another guy who made a lot of strides junior to senior year, so that's that kind of project projectable player that NFL execs like to see. So, I think he could. I think he could make an impact as a special team or somewhere, and maybe like a third string safety.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's going to be twenty four uh, by the time the season starts, which teams always like going with dudes who are a little bit younger. So that may be working against him. But yeah. if, if he if he can build on what he did this year, that's. Awesome, 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 awesome. Uh, Godwin, we've already talked about. We're going to talk a little bit more about. Brian Gaia. um, I'm going to say this, and it may sound like an insult, but I swear it's a compliment because dude is just this smart. He is this good of a football mind. I can absolutely see him being a coach. Like, if we're looking at two years and he's like two or three years and he's an offensive line coach at, like, Temple or something like that, I would not be surprised at all, and I think – He's going to end up being really, really good at doing that because we—I mean, we saw him take control of Penn State's offensive line this year and really lead and direct it. And that's—that's that's a mind you want in a coach.
1: Yeah, and I, I won't close the door on his NFL opportunity right, just right. yet because he could. I mean, with the experience he has, it's not too far-fetched to imagine an offensive line coach seeing his film somewhere and being like, "I feel like I can." continue molding this guy and continue making him into something. So I think it's possible he gets a shot somewhere. But uh, like you said, I think he would all. I agree. He would make a very good coach. I,
0: I think if he decides to get into coaching, whether or not it's in three years or whether or not it's in 20 years, he's going to be good at it. So that'll be fun. Uh, last one, last Pro Day participant. This is the guy who I think is the most interesting person to watch at Pro Day. That'd be Brandon Bell. Um, when he... Is on his game, which is more or less whenever he is on the field, he is a he, he's shown that he can be a game-changing linebacker. Um, I we've made no uh, we we have not tried to hide the fact that we all think he is very good at football. A little undersized, six uh, one two twenty-seven is what he's listed at. Who knows what he's going to be when they uh, show him and he's you know getting looked at by NFL teams and whatnot. Injury history, didn't get invited to the Combine, a lot of things working against him. But Nick, this guy is a pro, and this guy is going to do something in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I see him following in the Mike Motti, Nate Stubar footsteps. I think he initially catches on as a special teamer and is a standout there for multiple years, and when he gets the chance to get in and play some linebacker i think he turns some heads out there and i guess kind of michael is following in the same path as well uh so i'm not sure he'll ever be a starting linebacker per se in the nfl but i could see him being part of a rotation and being a pretty consistent and fan favorite as a special teamer at the very least
0: yeah absolutely uh pro day should be a fun one Uh, I can't go and Doug can't go. And because we're the only two people in state college, that means nobody can go. So for now, for, for now, yes. Uh, a, a programming note, uh, before we wrap up this part of the pod, we're looking for an intern. Um, you might've seen us, uh, tweet this out. It's on the website, but if you live in the state college area, we want you to apply to be our intern, uh, If you're a student and you're interested, it's not for credit. uh, But we are going to try and compensate you in one way or another. And like we said, preference is given to current Penn State students who will be at school through the spring of 2018. Uh, We want you to go to football games. We want you to go to basketball games. If you don't want to go to all of them, that's fine. We can work on that with you. In terms of perks, like we said, paid. uh, Or at least we're going to try and find a way to compensate you. You can cover whatever sport you want. We're going to be super appreciative of whatever you would want to do. We will work with you to help get you to various uh, press availabilities and games and things of that nature. And, of course, we're going to do the most important thing. We're going to give you a T-shirt or two. So if you are interested, make sure you go out and apply for our internship. We really want to uh, grow in, uh, I said this in the post, in the James Franklin voice, our family a little bit more. And yeah, when we come back, Matt Harmon from NFL.com, he's going to be joining us. Should be a fun discussion. Uh, Yeah, we'll be right back.
1: So before we start talking about Chris Godwin with our friend Matt from NFL.com, we have some interesting uh, news and interesting opportunity for you. So we are working with uh, Total Sports Enterprises. It's a Pittsburgh company, an autograph company, a memorabilia company. And they are actually having an autograph session with Chris Godwin. Funny it has it. Uh Chris Godwin will be, be doing the public autograph session on March 25th at the mall at Robinson in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So if you are able to go down there and you'll get a chance to talk with Chris Godwin, you'll get a chance to get something signed, maybe a picture, maybe a jersey, a helmet, a mini helmet, a football. It seems like the oh or of course a photo. The po- seems like the possibilities are pretty endless so uh bring something down there to get signed buy something down there to get signed but go out and support our friends at total sports enterprises there uh we're kind of working together on this one to help promote them and they're going to have something that we're going to be able to give back to you our loyal listeners and loyal readers in return um One cool thing about this, though, if you're not actually able to get there, if maybe you don't live in Pittsburgh and you're interested in this, uh, there's actually a mail-in and a pre-sale option available. So you can do this and still get something signed by Chris Godwin, which is pretty cool. Uh, We'll put the link to that pre-sale or that mail-in option in the description of this podcast on the post on RoarLionsRoar.com. So... If you're interested, head down to the mall at Robinson in Pittsburgh on, again, March 25th. We'll put more information on the website. And if you can't be there, think about the mail-in option and the pre-sale option.
0: All right, everyone, we are back. Uh, Bill DeFilippo, Nick Polak, you're listening to Roar Lions Radio. And Nick, we have ourselves a guest.
1: Yeah, and this is actually uh, really exciting for us because this is a really cool guest that we were able to go out and get. So about a week ago... Uh, there was an article published on the Fantasy Footballers uh, talking about Chris Godwin and it coming from the uh, publication Reception Perception, written by Matt Harmon of Sports Illustrator, sorry, not Sports Illustrator, NFL.com. And he's actually the creator of Reception Perception, which is just kind of a different way to look at NFL draft prospects as receivers in more than just looking at their 40 times and their verticals and all that stuff and we were actually able to go out and get Matt who had some really positive things to say about our dear favorite Chris Godwin and we're happy to be able to have him on the show today to talk about what makes him so awesome so Matt welcome
2: Oh, well guys, thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure to, uh, to come on. like we were discussing before we started taping here, it's always fun to come on shows and talk about the guys you really like. (laughs) And Chris Godwin happens to be a player that this year I I do really like reception perceptions, a big fan. And, and, uh, I, I really, I'm excited to see
1: his journey, uh, as a draft prospect unfold. Yeah. And it's if, if you haven't read the article, you absolutely should. We will link it in the post to go along with this podcast. But it go, it does a really great job of going in depth as to why you're such a big fan of him. But one of the first things that right at the top of the article that's going to jump out to Penn State fans is you talking about how reception perception was able to also identify former Penn Stater Alan Robinson um, as kind of a guy who was set to outperform his draft stock and I think it's fair to say that's exactly what he's done despite a a down 2016 that frankly wasn't entirely his fault he was interfered with more than any receiver in the league and obviously Blake Bortles wasn't great so I think it's fair to say that that was absolutely a hit with Allen Robinson so what is it just kind of give us the brief overview what is it about chris godwin that makes him such an exciting receiver and from your perspective
2: So to answer that question, I'll first at least explain what reception perception is for your your listeners uh, that might not know of it already. And what it is, is it's a methodology that I developed three years ago to evaluate the wide receiver position. And so what I do is uh, over a six game sample for college players and eight games for NFL players. uh, And that's where the data tends to normal out to give you a a really good picture of what they've done over a full season. Uh, I go in and I chart every route that they run over that game, you know, dig into the film and really see exactly who they are as a player, you know, and I chart how often they run each individual route, how often they get open on each individual route, uh, what type of coverage they're most successful at creating separation against, and also some ancillary metrics like yards after, or breaking tackles after the catch and contested catch conversion rate. And that last part was really what stood out about Chris Godwin. So when I turned on, the the Rose Bowl film the all 22 of the Rose Bowl film I I remember uh I remember that game because I live out here in Los Angeles and there's a lot of USC fans I know and just going back to that game that was the best game that I've charted of any receiver all year hands down it was a dominant performance but going over the entirety of his reception perception sample uh one thing that stood out from him was Chris Godwin had the an 85.7 percent contested catch conversion rate which is the highest i've had over the last two years narrowly beating out josh doxson from tcu last year by 0.7 percent so that was really kind of his best thing there was obviously making contested catches i think if you're familiar with chris godwin as many of your listeners probably are uh you know that you saw him catch that great touchdown is kind of against ohio state is an example of what i would call a contested catch and so that right away was really impressive. But what else stood out about him was his ability to create separation. He has an above average success rate versus coverage score, which again shows how often he gets open against man, zone and press coverage. Uh, a really impressive guy as a route runner and was a better athlete. I thought than many people were giving him credit for it after doing his reception perception at the end of the college football season, I'm looking at some of these draft rankings and he's like a third or fourth round pick. I'm thinking, no way this guy is one of the best receivers in the class. And I think his combine performance was really exemplary of that. So just a solid all around player, but with some real outstanding attributes as well
1: yeah, and it's it's kind of a weird aura surrounding him right now after the combine because there's especially within the Penn State stratosphere of the internet, there's kind of a mix right now of, hey, like don't get don't get too caught up in the forty time and all these other great testing numbers he put up in the combine. like we should temper our expectations a little bit. but, when you really think about it the reason that we are all so high on him in the first place has nothing to do with his straight line speed it has nothing to do with the with his three cone time it, it's none of that it's what we see on the field and he doesn't he doesn't play like a Deshaun Jackson like he's never going to sprint straight down the field like you said that that number that stands out for him that contested catch rate we saw it this year with Penn State Trace McSorley just trusted Godwin with fully and just gave him the opportunity to go up and make those contested catches down the field so that really that speed is not really part of his game so just like it's almost as if the combine numbers just kind of add another thing for NFL teams to fall in love with and considering what we've seen from the past with NFL teams and execs just it's it's a different viewpoint from people who watch them consistently in college, and that's why guys like Tyler Lockett it slipped to the later like later than really he should have gone. and guys like Alan Robinson go a little later than they probably should have gone. so it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic surrounding him at this moment right.
2: And I think that's a really good point because the one thing that we lose track of in a- analyzing all these individual moments, whether it's the game film that they put on during the season or what they do at the senior bowl or what they do at the combine, these prospects and all of us along with them are undergoing the draft process and the draft process has different steps in it and different guys will come up and down and, you know, a player like Cooper cup, for example. He's a senior. He's been expected to be in this draft class for a long time. So people are familiar with him. They're familiar with his big production, this, that, and the other. Then they see him go down to the Senior Bowl, and apparently, I wasn't there, but apparently put on a big show. Um, That elevates him, you know, because of this is one step here. But a player like Chris Godwin was kind of a surprise declaration. He's not a guy that a lot of people pegged as somebody that was definitely going to enter the 2017 NFL draft. Lo and behold, he does. You know, he, teams are kind of catching up to him uh, there and the combine performance only serves as, like you said, an exclamation point on, hey, this guy's put out great game film. We didn't expect him to be in this draft class, but now we're kind of all playing catch up on that. You know, let's not forget that a lot of these coaching staffs in the NFL are, you know, actually paying attention to their own teams during the season. So they're just kind of starting to dig into these prospects. And, you know, a, for a player like Godwin in that next step of the process of the combine to put that exclamation point on his stock he's going to be a player that, you know, a lot of people are going to have to go back and do a little bit of catch up on. And I think when, when they do, they'll see that this is a player that they should definitely
1: not underrate. When, when do you think they start doing that? Obviously we talked about the contested catch rate and a few other things, but in your mind, what is it that makes, obviously there's some great receivers in this class. There's Mike Williams There, Cooper cup is definitely a uh divisive one uh but what what is it that you think stands out about chris godwin above some of the other receivers in this draft class so you mentioned the obviously alan Robinson is probably
2: reception perception's biggest hit and i think that he and godwin and certainly people will make comparisons to them because they come from the same school but i think one thing that stands out about them is we know that they can make the spectacular play uh, and you know, make those contested catches. You know, you saw Allen Robinson back at PSU do it against Michigan. Everybody knows about that catch. I mean hell he got it tattooed on himself for God's sakes. Like everybody and knows it's glorious. He, it is great. Hey I you, Robinsons is a g- great guy. I've met him. he's a he's a, he's all good at book. okay. The guy's like basically made my career. so <laughs> he can he can do whatever he wants. But uh, so you know that they can make and and Godwin as well, he did it all over the Rose Bowl. He's done it at other points this year. They, we know they can make that spectacular catch. But what stands out about them, what separates them from other receivers, uh, is that they are consistent on a route to route basis, especially towards the end of the season. You saw Godwin start to hone that route to route consistency, and when you're doing what I do, where you chart route after route after route after route, and you see a guy consistently release from press coverage at the line assist, uh, the line of scrimmage, consistently get in and out of his breaks at the route at the point of the route where they need to break off from the defender. That can, doing that consistently, that stands out from some of these other collegiate receivers, and that's why I really
1: like players like that. So thinking about Allen Robinson a little bit, um, actually, I guess real quick, just for the listeners, uh, if you're curious about which games uh, that Matt was able to sample for Godwin for this study, it was the USC game, the Pittsburgh game, the Temple game, the Ohio State game, the Michigan State game, and the Wisconsin game. All right, so thinking about that Allen Robinson Kind of comparison, not comparison. They they have a lot of similarities. We actually did a piece on our website about um, the, the things that they share going into this draft process. There is one big difference in my mind, though. Obviously, Chris Godwin is an extremely athletic football player. But I think Allen Robinson kind of sets that bar just a little bit higher. Like he's, dude's an absolute freak and a little bit taller, has a little more vertical. So he's a little bit different build of a receiver. What is it that you see Godwin doing in the NFL? Like what style of receiver do you see him being and where do you see him being successful?
2: Yeah, so one thing that is made Robinson, you know, a bit of, like he's had this one great year and then just, came back down to earth a little bit at least statistically this year is that he's running a lot of downfield routes like I mentioned I I would say he is definitely a more athletic player and that's a a high bar to set because he is quite a freak of an athlete uh you know he is somebody that's working downfield a lot I see Chris Godwin as being more of a a big X receiver like Allen Robinson but I see him working more on short to intermediate routes being a guy that it's going to be that consistent threat to to move the chains, to separate early in routes, and also again when he's even when he's in tight coverage, make those contested catches. And Robinson can do that too. That's why he's a star level receiver. But I see Godwin being more of that player and less being being less of a downfield threat, uh, maybe than his counterpart. So I, I see, you know, this is kind of a. And he, I think he's you know maybe. Like we think of Anquan Bolden and we think of like late season, late career Anquan Bolden where he doesn't get any separation, but he makes those contested catches. I see Godwin being a player that can consistently separate in the NFL, but I definitely think an Anquan Bolden type of role where he is, you know, back back when he was with the Arizona Cardinals making plays downfield, but mostly racking up those short to intermediate catches and moving the chains and being a reliable possession receiver. I think we can see Godwin fit in that kind of role in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I I mean, mentioning Bolden is actually kind of funny because I think Nick and I, on various podcasts and things we've written over the last like two years, that's the name that, for whatever reason, just keeps coming to mind when we watch him play and we watch what we think he's capable of. But I want to dive into one thing, part of the post that I found really interesting, and that was his route tree. One was the route tree percentage, which, as you mentioned, he does a little bit of everything Uh, maybe you can expand on this but uh the thing that he ran the most uh was the nine route uh I'm interested to know if that is because uh he just did that especially well or that was more of a function of uh Penn State's offense which seemed to chuck the ball down the field and then more importantly is the success rate against coverages where uh there's a whole lot of green in that uh (laughs) he, he, he he looks like he if you're going off of that, it looks like he can do just about anything that you ask him to do. And we just like, what does it tell you when you see a guy who is that well-rounded, that uh, good at doing just about everything? And is would you say that may be the main reason you're the most? Uh, I mean, you're so optimistic about his chances of making it in the NFL.
2: Oh, yeah, the, uh, absolutely. You know, being a complete route runner is uh, is definitely an asset. You know, there are some players that have elite athleticism, you know, even some NFL stars that just are so incredible physically that really they only run you know, one or two routes. Uh, but a guy like Chris Godwin can, Really win at all levels of the field. You know he can get separation on those deep post routes, even if his the only route that he came in under the two-year prospect average and success rate versus coverage was that nine route. You know we mentioned up top he's not going to be a, a player like a Deshaun Jackson that just streaks by you vertically, but he can use good route running technique and can use quickness at the break point of routes to separate on deep posts and corner routes. He can also work the intermediate areas with outs and digs and curls and comebacks. But he's also like he is going to be a deadly threat on those slant routes and into the flat where he can make yards after the catch or he can win in contested situations at the point of uh, the point of the first down marker. So being a complete route runner like that, somebody that can threaten at all levels of the field, that's why I, I really feel confident in his projection. And, you know, that's why this year is this is this is the first year I've used the colors on the route tree to kind of show you this is a route they run more often compared to co- other collegiate receivers if it's in the green you know if it's in the red that's something they ran less often and then you can juxtapose that with the success rate chart and see what his best routes are so two routes that he ran above the the two year prospect average were the dig and the comeback and those were also two of his high most high success rate routes and those are two routes that you don't see a lot of NFL receivers even again some of the best in the league being able to run clean digs and and Chris comeback route. So that the the fact that he's really already advanced at those two is something where I feel really confident in his projection as a technician and as a route runner.
1: Do you see him? I, I personally, when I look at Godwin, I kind of see him following the Allen Robinson model a little bit, kind of coming in, not really expected to do a whole lot. Maybe he'll have to fight a little bit to earn his playing time, but I don't know that I see Godwin becoming like that number one go-to guy in the NFL. I'm curious if you do.
2: Well, I think it would have to be a situation where everything kind of broke. Right. Um, He would have to go to a team where he established himself as the alpha right away. Um, You know, it's funny to look back down Robinson's career and remember that Marquise Lee was drafted ahead of him. Um, You know, he wasn't expected to be the team's, you know, number one alpha receiver right away. And, you know, he kind of, like you mentioned, he, he, started to get a lot of playing time as a rookie. And then he had a a foot injury that cost him the rest of the season, just when he's kind of starting to build momentum. And maybe you see Chris Godwin come in with the slower year one and then really take off in year two to year three. Um, The term number one receiver is something that I think is a special term for a select few receivers in the league. And I don't think there are 32 number one receivers. And I think some teams end up with two number ones instead of, instead of just one. So can Godwin get into that stratosphere? I think it would take another step in his development, but I think what we see from his reception perception and from his combine, you know, which f- frankly even surprised me. You know, I had a source tell me before the combine that he was going to blow it up, and I was like, well, that, that would be great to see, but I was st- still kind of questioning whether that was true or not, and sure enough, it did turn out to be very true. I think the fact that we know that he has that tangible, measured athleticism in him, gives us the opportunity to imagine that that is within his range of outcomes. And I think that's how you have to think. You have to imagine players and project them in the NFL. Like, is it within their range of outcomes? Yes, even if it might not be the most likely one. But I do think that that's something Godwin can do. But his most likely outcome might be sort of in that Anquan Bolden mold, like we
1: mentioned. That's an interesting point. Kind of, I think that's something that a lot of Uh, People who, like I said before, those people who follow college football who say, well, of course, Tyler Lockett should be a first-round pick. Of course, Johnny Football should not have been chosen. Um, That idea of remembering that the NFL is drafting significantly for potential, and that's why some of those question mark guys end up getting picked in the first round, like my dear beloved Seahawks keep doing. Uh, But regardless... (laughs) Uh, one, the last kind of big question we have for you here, kind of to sum this all up, where, and this is an impossible question to answer, I understand that, but where do you think Chris Godwin eventually does get drafted? Um, just thinking about round, it's in borderline impossible to predict a team, but where do you think he goes uh, round-wise? Sure.
2: Uh, so I'll just, I'll say that, I again, I had a source tell me that there are teams with first late first early second round grades on him. And as we know, it only takes one. Um, and that was before the NFL combine. So it could certainly be where if, if a team really needs a receiver, if there starts to be a run, which I don't know that there will or will not based on kind of Mike Williams and Corey Davis yet to establish a lot of momentum in the poster in the pre-draft process. And, uh, because they haven't fully worked out yet. Um, maybe there won't be that run, but, if a team really identifies Godwin as as somebody that they like, and I think he is at this point, he's checking all the boxes. And the only thing we don't know on the outside, but you hear good things about his, you know, character and what is he doing in interviews and private team visits. So, I think that's I think he's going to be a day, a day two pick for sure, and I think that he will end up being a high second round pick, but. You know, don't be surprised if uh, if he does sneak into round one, even though I think that that might be stretching it a little bit. Uh, But, you know, teams love easy projections. And when you go out and you put it on the tape and then you put it on the field at the scouting combine, they really uh, take that seriously. And this, you know, this might sound like a hot take, but at this point, I think we kind of have to ask ourselves, what's the difference between Mike Williams and Chris Godwin? Um, we've seen God, we, but, but, but listen. And yep. if you follow that, um, if you follow that, Love it. if you follow that line of thinking, I mean, if they're both great in contested situations, and in my measuring, Godwin came out just a bit better. Um, but Godwin's put that measured athleticism on display for all of us. Mike Williams has not. He only tested in the vertical, and and it wasn't a good result. Um, he might run a, at his pro day. Hopefully, he does. That's just an easier thing to to project, and and again from my charting, Godwin's already a better separator too. So I think t- if teams ask themselves that question, they might really rethink the ordering uh, that that they they might potentially have those two in. So I just I would not be shocked if Godwin ends up going much higher than we expect.
1: You heard it here first, Roar Lions Radio. Chris Godwin to be the first receiver picked in the 2017 <laughs> NFL Draft. Uh, hey Matt, this is awesome. Thanks for coming on.
2: Yeah, my pleasure guys. Like I said, it's always fun to talk about the guys you like and um definitely really rooting for for Chris and hope he hopefully finds a good home uh, on an NFL team and you know maybe at this point Penn State can hire me to be like their personal wide receiver hype man cuz uh, that seems to be the role I'm filling.
1: <laughs> well, we'll have to have you yeah. back next we'll have to have you back next year to talk about Saquon Barkley and Mike Gesicki too. Oh yeah. Oh, well, we
2: you're you're also going to have
0: if you haven't seen some of the silly stuff he's able to do. You're going to have a lot of fun watching some Saeed Blacknall tape if he's able to, like, re- really hone in on the fact that he's, like, 6'3 and runs a 4'4 and can jump out of the building. So, there-
2: That's exciting.
0: Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, everyone, make sure uh, you go and you give Matt a follow on Twitter, Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Again, we appreciate him taking a few minutes. Uh, to come on to this edition of the podcast. And, of course, follow us on all our social media channels. Keep reading, supporting the site. Buy some shirts. We got the new uh, Penn State Wrestling shirts in. I think you're all going to like those. And yeah. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. For my co-host, Nick Pollock, I'm Bill Filippo Take care, everyone.